Chapter fifty one of the Man in the Iron Mask by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Showing how the countersign was respected at the Bastille. Fouquet tore along as fast as his horses could drag him. On his way, he trembled with horror at the idea of what had just been revealed to him. What must have been? he thought the youth of those extraordinary men who even as age is stealing fast upon them are still able to conceive such gigantic plans and carry them through without a tremor at one moment he could not resist the idea that all aramis had just been recounting to him was nothing more than a dream and whether the fable itself was not the snare so that when fouquet arrived at the bastille he might possibly find an order of arrest which would send him to join the dethroned king. Strongly impressed with this idea, he gave certain sealed orders on his route, while fresh horses were being harnessed to his carriage. These orders were addressed to Monsieur d'Artagnan, and to certain others whose fidelity to the king was far above suspicion. "'In this way,' said Fouquet to himself, "'prisoner or not, I shall have performed the duty that I owe my honor." these orders will not reach them until after my return if i should return free and consequently they will not have been unsealed i shall take them back again if i am delayed it will be because some misfortune will have befallen me and in that case assistance will be sent for me as well as for the king prepared in this manner the superintendent arrived at the bastille he had travelled at the rate of five leagues and a half the hour every circumstance of delay which aramis had escaped in his visit to the bastille befell fouquet it was useless giving his name equally useless his being recognized he could not succeed in obtaining an entrance by dint of entreaties threats commands he succeeded in inducing a sentinel to speak to one of the subalterns who went and told the major as for the governor they did not even dare disturb him fouquet sat in his carriage at the outer gate of the fortress chafing with rage and impatience awaiting the return of the officers who at last reappeared with a sufficiently sulky air well said fouquet impatiently what did the major say well monsieur replied the soldier the major laughed in my face he told me that monsieur fouquet was at vaux and that even were he at paris monsieur fouquet would not get up so early an hour as the present mordieu you are an absolute set of fools cried the minister darting out of the carriage and before the subaltern had time to shut the gate fouquet sprang through it and ran forward in spite of the soldier who cried out for assistance fouquet gained ground regardless of the cries of the man who however having at last come up with fouquet called out to the sentinel of the second gate look out look out sentinel the man crossed his pike before the minister but the latter robust and active and hurried away too by his passion wrested the pike from the soldier and struck him a violent blow on the shoulder with it the subaltern who approached too closely received a share of the blows as well both of them uttered loud and furious cries at the sound of which the whole of the first body of the advanced guard poured out of the guardhouse among them there was one however who recognized the superintendent and who called 
monseigneur ah monseigneur stop stop you fellows and he effectually checked the soldiers who were on the point of revenging their companions fouquet desired them to open the gate but they refused to do so without the countersign he desired them to inform the governor of his presence but the latter had already heard the disturbance at the gate he ran forward followed by his major and accompanied by a picket of twenty men persuaded that an attack was being made on the bastille baisemeaux also recognized fouquet immediately and dropped the sword he bravely had been brandishing ah monseigneur he stammered how can i excuse monsieur said the superintendent flushed with anger and heated by his exertions i congratulate you your watch and ward are admirably kept baisemeaux turned pale thinking that this remark was made ironically and portended a furious burst of anger but fouquet had recovered his breath and beckoning the sentinel and the subaltern who were rubbing their shoulders towards him he said there are twenty pistoles for the sentinel and fifty for the officer pray receive my compliments gentlemen i will not fail to speak to his majesty about you and now monsieur baisemeaux a word with you and he followed the governor to his official residence accompanied by a murmur of general satisfaction baisemeaux was already trembling with shame and uneasiness aramis's early visit from that moment seemed to possess consequences which a functionary such as he baisemeaux was was perfectly justified in apprehending it was quite another thing however when fouquet in a sharp tone of voice and with an imperious look said you have seen monsieur d'herblay this morning yes monseigneur and are you not horrified at the crime of which you have made yourself an accomplice well thought baisemeaux good so far and then he added aloud but what crime monseigneur do you allude to that for which you can be quartered alive monsieur do not forget that but this is not a time to show anger conduct me immediately to the prisoner to what prisoner said baisemeaux trembling you pretend to be ignorant very good it is the best plan for you perhaps for in fact were you to admit your participation in such a crime it would be all over with you i wish therefore to seem to believe in your assumption of ignorance i entreat you monseigneur that will do lead me to the prisoner to marchiali who is marchiali the prisoner who was brought back this morning uh, by monsieur d'herblay he is called marchiali said the superintendent his convictions somewhat shaken by baisemeaux's cool manner yes monseigneur that is the name under which he was inscribed here fouquet looked steadily at baisemeaux as if he would read his very heart and perceived with that clear-sightedness most men possess who are accustomed to the exercise of power that the man was speaking with perfect sincerity besides in observing his face for a few moments he could not believe that aramis 
would have chosen such a confidant. "'It is the prisoner,' said the superintendent to him, "'whom Monsieur d'Herblay carried away the day before yesterday.' "'Yes, Monseigneur.' "'And with whom he brought back this morning,' added Fouquet quickly, for he understood immediately the mechanism of Aramis's plan. "'Precisely, Monseigneur.' "'And his name is Machiali, you say?' "'Yes, Machiali. If Monseigneur has come here to remove him, so much the better, for I was going to write about him.' "'What has he done, then?' "'Ever since this morning he has annoyed me extremely. He has had such terrible fits of passion as almost to make me believe that he would bring the Bastille itself down about our ears. "'I will soon relieve you of his possession,' said Fouquet. "'Ah, so much the better.' "'Conduct me to his prison.' "'Will Monseigneur give me the order?' "'What order?' "'An order from the king.' "'Wait until I sign you one.' that will not be sufficient monseigneur i must have an order from the king fouquet assumed an irritated expression as you are so scrupulous he said with regard to allowing prisoners to leave show me the order by which this one was set at liberty baisemeaux showed him the order to release selden very good said fouquet but selden is not marchiali but marchiali is not at liberty monseigneur he is here but you said that monsieur d'herblay carried him away and brought him back again i did not say so so surely did you say it that i almost seem to hear it now it was a slip of my tongue then monseigneur take care monsieur baisemeaux take care i have nothing to fear monseigneur i am acting according to the very strictest regulation do you dare to say so i would say so in the presence of one of the apostles monsieur d'herblay brought me an order to set selden at liberty selden is free i tell you that machiali has left the bastille you must prove that monseigneur let me see him you monseigneur who govern this kingdom know very well that no one can see any of the prisoners without an express order from the king monsieur d'herblay has entered however that remains to be proved monseigneur monsieur de baisemeaux once more i warn you to pay particular attention to what you are saying all the documents are there monseigneur monsieur d'herblay is overthrown overthrown monsieur d'herblay impossible you see that he has undoubtedly influenced you no 
monseigneur what does in fact influence me is the king's service i am doing my duty give me an order from him and you shall enter stay monsieur le gouverneur i give you my word that if you allow me to see the prisoner i will give you an order from the king at once uh, give it to me now monseigneur and that if you refuse me i will have you and all your officers arrested on the spot before you commit such an act of violence monseigneur you will reflect said baisemeaux who had turned very pale that we will only obey an order signed by the king and that it will be just as easy for you to obtain one to see marchiali as to obtain one to do me so much injury me too who am perfectly innocent true true cried fouquet furiously perfectly true monsieur de baisemeaux he added in a sonorous tone drawing the unhappy governor towards him do you know why i am so anxious to speak to the prisoner no monseigneur and allow me to observe that you are terrifying me out of my senses i am trembling all over in fact i feel as though i were about to faint you will stand a better chance of fainting outright monsieur baisemeaux when i return here at the head of ten thousand men and thirty pieces of cannon good heavens monseigneur you are losing your senses when i have roused the whole population of paris against you and your accursed towers and have battered open the gates of this place and hanged you to the topmost tree of yonder pinnacle monseigneur monseigneur for pity's sake i give you ten minutes to make up your mind added fouquet in a calm voice i will sit down here in this armchair and wait for you if in ten minutes time you shall still persist i leave this place and you may think me as mad as you like then you shall see baisemeaux stamped his foot on the ground like a man in a state of despair but he did not reply a single syllable whereupon fouquet seized a pen and ink and wrote order for monsieur le prévôt de marchand to assemble the municipal guard and to march upon the bastille in the king's immediate service baisemeaux shrugged his shoulders fouquet wrote order for the duc de bouillon and monsieur le prince de conde to assume the command of the swiss guards of the king's guards and to march upon the bastille on the king's immediate service baisemeaux reflected fouquet still wrote order for every soldier citizen or gentleman to seize and apprehend wherever he may be found le chevalier d'herblay eveque de vannes and his accomplices who are first monsieur de baisemeaux governor of the bastille suspected of the crimes of high treason and rebellion stop monseigneur cried baisemeaux 
I do not understand a single jot of the whole matter, but so many misfortunes, even were it madness itself that had set them at their awful work, might happen here in a couple of hours, that the king, by whom I must be judged, will see whether I have been wrong in withdrawing the countersign before this flood of imminent catastrophes. Come with me to the keep, Monseigneur. You shall see Marchiali. Fouquet darted out of the room, followed by Baisemeaux as he wiped the perspiration from his face. What a terrible morning, he said. What a disgrace for me. Walk faster, replied Fouquet. Baisemeaux made a sign to the jailer to precede them. He was afraid of his companion, which the latter could not fail to perceive. A truce to this child's play, he said roughly. Let the man remain here. Take the keys yourself and show me the way. Not a single person, do you understand, must hear what is going to take place here. Ah, said Baisemeaux, undecided. Again, cried Monsieur Fouquet. Ah, say no at once, and I will leave the Bastille and will carry myself my own dispatches. Baisemeaux bowed his head, took the keys, and unaccompanied except by the minister, ascended the staircase. The higher they advanced up the spiral staircase, the more clearly did certain muffled murmurs become distinct appeals and fearful imprecations. "'What is that?' asked Fouquet. "'That is your Marchiali,' said the governor. "'This is the way these madmen scream.' and he accompanied that reply with a glance more pregnant with injurious illusion, as far as Fouquet was concerned, than politeness. The latter trembled. He had just recognized in one cry more terrible than any that had preceded it the king's voice. He paused on the staircase, snatching the bunch of keys from Baisemeaux, who thought this new madman was going to dash out his brains with one of them. "'Ah!' he cried. Monsieur d'Herblay did not say a word about that. Give me the keys at once, cried Fouquet, tearing them from his hand. Which is the key of the door I am to open? That one. A fearful cry, followed by a violent blow against the door, made the whole staircase resound with the echo. Leave this place, said Fouquet de Baisemeaux in a threatening tone. "'I ask nothing better,' murmured the latter to himself. "'There will be a couple of madmen, face to face, "'and the one will kill the other, I am sure.' "'Go,' repeated Fouquet. "'If you place your foot on this staircase before I call you, "'remember that you shall take the place of the meanest prisoner in the Bastille.' "'This job will kill me, I am sure it will.' muttered Baisemeaux as he withdrew with tottering steps. The prisoner's cries became more and more terrible. When Fouquet had satisfied himself that Baisemeaux had reached the bottom of the staircase, he inserted the key in the first lock. It was then that he heard the hoarse, choking voice of the king crying out in a frenzy of rage, "'Help! Help! I am the king!' The key of the second door was not the same as the first, 
and Fouquet was obliged to look for it on the bunch. The king, however, furious and almost mad with rage and passion, shouted at the top of his voice, "'It was Monsieur Fouquet who brought me here. Help me against Monsieur Fouquet. I am the king. Help me against Monsieur Fouquet.' These cries filled the minister's heart with terrible emotions. They were followed by a shower of blows leveled against the door with a part of the broken chair with which the king had armed himself. Fouquet at last succeeded in finding the key. The king was almost exhausted. He could hardly articulate distinctly as he shouted, "'Death to Fouquet! Death to traitor Fouquet!' The door flew open. End of chapter 51 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia